Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. We are on. Oh, I heard nothing. My bad. <laughs> you know what would help? If I plugged my Hearing? headphones in. <laughs> I having this was having sh- two ears. Having two ears instead of one, and then one of them that is supposed to work for the show, I don't have the headphone plugged in. So if you guys, you guys are probably just talking to me the whole time. Hey, we're going, we're going, and it's in the wrong no, ear, and so I had no idea what that. was going down. I, I thought, thought it was a shtick or something. Well, well we thought, guys just leaving me out hanging out to dry, which is no, as no. which is according to the dude code. I would completely respect that. I was about to reach for the gun. Uh, <laughs> Wait no. to wake me up. Yeah. No, actually, but you've been long. You've been kind of a Jedi master of the pregnant pause. I thought you were going full top rope on this no, one. No, I, I, I was not full William Shatnering right there. No, I just didn't have a clue what time it was, and my headphones weren't plugged in. I just foobarred. <laughs> there was no nothing ha- happening there other than a screw up. Greetings, uh, welcome to the Steve Day Show. We're off to an auspicious beginning, uh, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Day's here alongside Totters and Aaron McIntyre, and all of you uh, coming up on the show today. Provided I remember that we're even on the air. What time we're on, when we go and don't go to break, when we come back, you never know. You know, hang out. We'll find out together. Uh, Coming up on the show here today, bottom of the hour, our old friend, good friend Molly James is going to join us. um, And uh, she will uh, be talking about a lawsuit that she is launching against COVID Stan and why we have not really seen almost any accountability for COVID Stan at all. Almost no clamoring for it, in fact, outside of a few places like this show. So we'll talk to her about that. Uh, Jenna Ellis is going to join us and we'll discuss uh, what she is dealing with now uh, as an indicted quote unquote co-conspirator in Fulton County, Georgia with uh, alongside former president Trump. For those of you that don't know, Jenna was legal counsel in the Trump white house. Uh, She was also, by the way, uh, legal counsel on behalf of the Thomas More society for the landmark case out in California uh, that defeated LA County and Governor Newsom on behalf of uh, John MacArthur's church. She was one of the attorneys uh, that uh, spearheaded that effort, which was a landmark case. There's, in fact, a movie out about it right now. I'm not sure if it's still in theaters or not, but it's really well done. I would highly recommend it. It's called The Essential Church. It's very, very limited release. I, I think it's out in two places right now, but the DVD is coming out in September. Thank you for that clarification. When it comes out, I would highly recommend uh, watching it. I had a chance to watch it a few weeks ago. I thought it was extremely well done. Talked about it over on uh, Twitter at the time. So Jenna Ellis will join us. Fake news or not, there is a poll out from CBS News over the weekend, and I, I'm going to call fake news on it right now. And, I'm go- and, and we're going to do fake news or not a little differently. I'm going to explain why I believe this poll is fake news. And then you guys are going to agree or disagree. Either with the, You're going to either side with the poll or side with me. Somebody's fake news. This poll is or I am. All right. And so I don't I don't care what your case is, Steve. If Todd, you don't shoot him by the end of this, because I know what's <laughs> come. I know what this poll is. Yes. You don't shoot this. You shoot him by the end of his explanation. Deeply disappointed. So, in other words, this needs to be a good explanation, is what you're telling me. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, I, I and and you know what? Since you're holding the gun, I will cater that explanation to things that uh, are favorable towards you, to see if I might uh, throw myself upon the mercy of the court. All right, or the executioner in this case. So we'll in do that. In my defense, early on, there's a lot of people begging me to shoot you for various reasons. And, these days, and so. they probably are all legitimate, if we're just being <laughs> honest about that. Yes. Uh, and then for Pop Culture Tuesday, some things I observed while on vacation. 
last week, uh, last weekend in Cleveland, uh, both at the uh, Christmas Story House and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the NFL Hall of Fame. And some things that from a worldview stand up or standpoint, I should say, from a worldview standpoint that I pick up on because I'm a Theo nerd. I don't know how many other people pick up on these things, but, you know, my antenna is tuned into this kind of stuff. So we're going to discuss those for Pop Culture Tuesday, and maybe we'll even have a special guest for that conversation uh, as well. All right. Uh, so we'll get to all of that uh, before, right after we tell you about our friends over at Better Spectacles. If you've been told to go home, and get used to your progressives, including the ones with the dorky frames. Uh, I've got great news for you. Better Spectacles is a pro-American company. These are patriots. They offer rodenstock eyewear. What is that? That's what I'm wearing with my progressive lenses. I'm a little far and I'm a little near. Uh, and these are now the frames from the uh, world-renowned German company that is considered the world's gold standard when it comes to eyewear. And they're available exclusively for the first time in the U.S. Uh, and alongside our partners at Better Spectacles. So not only will you get outstanding biometric intelligent service to get uh, the best out of your eyesight, but you're also now not going to have to look like Harry Carey when you walk out of there anymore with the uh, Coke bottle glasses. You don't have to do that anymore. All right, so you can have the sharpest vision and look sharp at the same time. That's why I would recommend uh, go big with our friends uh, over at Better Spectacles. They're offering an introductory 61% off their progressive eyewear plus free handcrafted road and stock frames. And you can't beat this offer if you go to betterspectacles.com slash Steve. That's betterspectacles.com slash Steve. That's right. The cool frames they'll throw in for free as part of their introductory offer and give you 61% off. I love the specificity of that. Like the exact number is 61%. I love that. All right. That's when you're like nailing it. All right. You're right. You're on the money. Okay. No waste, fraud, and abuse. If it's 61%, I mean, you know, you're, you know, the details All right, 61% off and free frames at betterspectacles.com slash Steve. All right. With that, let's get it started with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by devastation. Hawaii governor Josh Green says around a hundred people are confirmed to be dead as a result of the devastating wildfires on the island of Maui and nearly 1000 more are unaccounted for many of them, possibly children. If they remain unaccounted, for it would make the wildfires on the island one of the worst natural disasters in U.S. history. Joe Biden visited the island of Maui to tour the devastation. We have a little sense, Jill and I, what it's like to lose a home. Years ago, now 15 years ago, I was in Washington doing Meet the Press. It was a sunny Sunday, and lightning struck at home on a little lake that's outside of our home, not a lake, a big pond, and hit a wire and came up underneath our home into the heating ducts, the air conditioning duct. To make a long story short, I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, <laughs> and my cat. But all kidding aside. All joking aside, he says, what's not a joke is Biden's need to sleep. We are a community that relies on family, on ohana, whether by blood or by friendship. 
but like many others. Moving on, it's now been revealed that the great prevaricator Vivek Ramaswamy ran for president in large part because he wanted to tank Florida Governor Ron DeSantis's viability as a candidate. In a report from ABC News citing a meeting between Ramaswamy and GOP leaders, quote, Ramaswamy pitched himself as a candidate who would make serious waves in the Republican primary at the meeting. When met with some skepticism, Ramaswamy argued that his candidacy could also dissuade Florida Governor Ron DeSantis from entering the race, according to a source who was at the call. In the lead up to his announcement, Ramaswamy would tell several other conservative activists that he believed that if he ran, it could stop DeSantis from running or impact his viability as a candidate if he did enter the race. Who could have seen that coming? Remember when Donald Trump promised to lock Hillary Clinton up? We do. The Clintons are criminals. Remember that. They're criminals. I am going to instruct my attorney general to get a special prosecutor to look into your situation. Honestly, she should be locked up. She has to go to jail. Ending this criminal government corruption is one of the most important reasons you have to go out on November 8th. CNN projects Donald Trump wins the presidency. We begin with breaking news. The president-elect will not pursue any investigations into Hillary Clinton. They're good people. I don't want to hurt them. Quote, I don't want to hurt the Clintons. I really don't. She went through a lot and suffered greatly. He doesn't wish to pursue these charges. If Donald Trump can help her heal, then perhaps that's a good thing. He needs to heal the rule of law, and he needs to forget about healing Hillary Clinton. It would be at odds with the promises to drain the swamp that President-elect Trump made, promises which helped him win office. No, it's okay. No, forget it. That plays great before the election. Now nah, we don't care, right? I was very honored, very, very honored when I heard that President Bill Clinton and Secretary Hillary Clinton was coming today. And I'd like you to stand up. I have a lot of respect for those two people. We all want the same thing. We're all good people. We call her beautiful Hillary now because, you know, that one's over with. That was a new montage from Never Back Down Pack. Ron DeSantis hit Donald Trump for not showing up to the debate. Everybody should debate. Everybody has a responsibility to earn people's votes. Nobody is entitled to anything in this world, less of all the Republican nomination for president. Uh, so I'm going to be there. I'm going to be making the case. And this is really a great opportunity because I don't think very many people over the summer have been following it that closely. I think this is going to be the first time where candidates are going to be able to speak unfiltered uh, to a, a large number of Americans. And so I'm going to make the case that under Joe Biden, this country is in decline. We need to send Biden back to his basement in Delaware and reverse the country's decline. And I'm the guy that can do it. I've proven it in the state of Florida, uh, and I won't let people down as the next president. We now know that Donald Trump's interview with Tucker Carlson will not be live streamed concurrently with the GOP debate. Instead, it was taped last week and will drop tomorrow. Cool. And finally, Morris Brown College in Atlanta is reinstituting their mask mandate, citing an increase in positive cases of COVID. The mask mandate will be for just 14 days. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Birch Gold. As central banks in countries like China, India, and Australia begin transitioning to a digital currency, the Federal Reserve is contemplating uh, installing the mark. I'm sorry, um, uh, uh, doing the same here uh, for the U.S. 
with a digital currency, the government could track every single purchase you make, and you would not be able to buy or, or sell without the mark. Um, officials could even prohibit you from purchasing certain products or even easily freeze or seize part of all of your money. That's why you want to learn. If gold is right for you, text Steve to 989-898. Text Steve to 989-898. They'll send you a free info kit on gold with an A-plus rating. With the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, countless five-star reviews. Birch Gold has been helping you from the very beginning. So text Steve now, 989-898, before the mark is unveiled. Uh, 989-898. And claim your free info kit on gold because of a central bank digital currency mark becomes reality it'll be nice to have something tangible like gold to depend on text steve to 989-898 really surprised at that new read from birch gold so didn't ad lib that at all it you know you've been talking if we lose the next election you're just going to go straight into a scriptural analysis and prophecy i just might assumed just, you fast go, forwarded yeah went right there right then i mean it's just sackcloth yeah and locust and honey we'll have that what we, we went from a uh, a noose on the stage to a gun yeah. to just locust and honey we'll just be here on the stage at that point make it's gonna it be the best locust we'll just, and honey we'll just it'll be the you've never had locust and honey Thank like you. this Thank yeah you'll you. be sick of all the locust and honey but um in fact we will just change the name to the show to make a straight path yeah and we'll just call it that I think everybody's truly been, oh, since you started the show however many years ago, like when will it finally go full John the Baptist? Let's, we're, we're, we have been teasing you. Yes. It is time to deliver. Um, so I'm after the show today, I am heading down to Dallas uh, to help with uh, the Blazes coverage of tomorrow's debate. Uh, is the first. You're going to bring back another red wave? Dude. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I had to. I just had to. That night, man. <laughs> I mean, I was so broken. I'm sitting there next. I'm on Glenn's right, which is where I belong, on everybody's right. I'm on Glenn's right with my iPad, and I'm just going through these results, these disappointing results in real time. And I'm, I'm, I'm breaking inside. I mean, I am, I'm collapsing. Whitlock almost got in a fist. And fight. then I look up, <laughs> and Michael Malice and Whitlock are almost in a, fit, a fist fight. And I'm like, finally, something good and decent is happening here on this, on this, on this program this evening, because the rest of it is utterly depressing. Okay, that's how bad that night was. That a potential fist fight between Jason Whitlock and Michael Malice was a welcome reprieve. As uncomfortable as that moment was for all of us involved, that was a welcome reprieve from the reality that we were that was staring us in the face of these results coming across uh, the screen. So tomorrow night, I'll be down in Dallas. Uh, I'm leaving right after the show here. It'll be myself, Glenn Beck, uh, Sarah Gonzalez, uh, Stu, uh, and others. Um, tomorrow night, um, I think our boy Delano is coming into town for this. All right. So um, if you want to know what we're going to be doing during the debate... Well, since Fox has decided that no other media outlets can cover the debate, we're going to be providing our commentary to it live on Blaze TV's chat. So all of us will be on the Blaze TV chat. If you're a Blaze TV subscriber, you'll be able to get uh, this live chat exclusively for you as part of the conversation. So head over right now to blazetv.com and you can also watch our analysis after the event and get uh, 25% off your one-year subscription with the code DEBATE. blazetv.com, use the code DEBATE. You'll get 25% off. You'll be able to watch us all tomorrow night. And speaking of that debate, and the Tucker Carlson interview. Uh, 
So I was talking to a little birdie this morning uh, that fed me some data. And here's what they said. A a little less than 20% of, of people that identify as likely Republican primary voters are active on Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it now. However, only 7% of people who call themselves likely Republican primary voters say that they use Twitter or X, quote, a lot. Only 7%. And I I promise you that number in Iowa is lower than that. I I just promise you that's the case. Okay. Um, Fox News, 70% of people who identify, even post-Tucker Carlson, where, you know, they've lost something like 40% of their audience overall in primetime that they haven't recovered since he left. At least not so far, last numbers I looked. Uh, or since they ejected him, basically, for telling the truth too much. Um, 70% of likely Republican primary voters say they watch Fox News. 28% say that they watch it a lot. So let's do a little fake news or not right now here in the open. Fake, am I, fake news or not? The Trump-Tucker interview will draw overall more eyeballs than the debate. But the debate will actually draw more people who are likely to vote in a GOP primary based on the data that I just showed you. Fake news or not? Because that's what I believe is the case. Not fake news when you add up all of the clips that'll be distributed from the Trump-Tucker interview i think it'll be pretty i mean it was like the the blaze tv's coverage of the family leadership summit i mean that got millions and millions and millions of views when you add up all the various uh, clips that went out there and the the separate uh, videos of the candidates being interviewed by tucker carlson th- themselves but yeah as a singular event um i i believe this will probably attract more actual republican primary caucus goers the debate will Oh, wow. Something. That's actually pretty easy to quantify. If it's only less than 20%, actually 20, less than 20% is more than what I would have anticipated being on X, Twitter, whatever we're calling it, X Twitter. Um, but still, that's pretty, that's pretty easy math to go about. If it's only one in five Republicans use uh, X regularly. At all. At all. At all. And only 7% use it, quote, a lot. I, I, I guess I'll... It's not fake news. Uh, I don't. I don't feel strongly about it, one way or the other. And I'm not. I'm not trying to hedge. I just don't. I don't have a. I. I, I Donald Tr- Tucker's been out of the loop for a while. Uh, it. The the not for us necessarily, but for other people. Uh, Donald Trump is. Well. I don't know. He's such a known quantity. I'm not absolutely sure you're right. But you do. I'm the NFL football average fan. Check out some games all the time. I'm going with a gut reaction here. You are the data guy with money on the line, and you don't go willy-nilly on this. So if I had to go with you, I'd ride or die with you. I just something about this. Eh, maybe, well, I mean, one, maybe not. Really? Okay. Because one outlet has four times the audience of GOP primaries than the other platform mm-hmm. does. That's what I was talking about. Yeah, Pretty I mean, so, yeah. so, so right away, Fox is beginning, even in its diminished capacity, 
And that's just on an average day. We're not even talking a major event. Mm-hmm. All right. And, and the major event works the other way, too. This would be a major event that would occur on Twitter um, with with the interaction between or the interview or interaction. I don't, I don't know what it's going to be. In fact, I want to I want to go there and I want to reiterate something. Um, I love Tucker Carlson on a personal level. I've expressed a ton of admiration for him professionally. Just so you know, the last two years, there were, you know, bringing Tucker to the Family Leadership Summit, he's not normally the vibe of what the Family Leadership Summit is. Right. And I tried to tell people that. I mean, it is a, it is, except for every few years when we are heading into a GOP, contested GOP caucus, you know, they've had 11 of these and nine of them have only been about Christian worldview stuff. There's only two that have actually been political in nature at all, really. Okay. And they're 2015 heading into 2016 and this year heading into 2020, uh, 2024. So, I mean, they're not intended to be political in nature. It's just some two, on two occasions, the circumstances called for it. And there were people within Bob's orbit that were not comfortable inviting Tucker to be a part of this either year. Because he's just not what typically would would be there. Alistair Begg is, who's one of the best preachers of the word and that's alive in the world today. And who was also at the leadership summit and spoke and just didn't get the fanfare that the candidates did. In both cases, and I don't know how much influence I have, just, you know, Bob and I are very good friends and have been very good friends for many years. And we've been in business together over at times. We have, um, we have given people the business together politically at times. Uh, I heavily lobbied for on behalf of both Tucker coming in here two years ago or last year, I should say as a keynote speaker and to bring him back this year to do the interviews with the candidates. Just so you guys know how different it was having Tucker there. You guys know who did. You probably don't know because our audience is so much bigger now than it was in 2015 guys. Frank Luntz is who came in to do the interviews with the candidates in 2015. I mean, one of these things is not like the other, like you couldn't put Frank Luntz and Tucker Carlson in a room together now. So that just goes to show how different Tucker's vibe was going to be putting him in that environment. You know, I mean, Tucker said from the stage at the event, he's reading the Bible cover to cover for the first time. He said that, right? I'm studying the Bible for the first time. He's in his fifties. Guys, the activist in that room, man, will argue with each other about which Bible translation should be read more. All right. Let alone just beginning to study the Bible in their fifties. So Tucker is a totally different vibe than what that event is about almost any other year. And so I, I was a heavy proponent and strongly advocated in both year for in both cases for Bob to bring him in to Bob directly when asked, when he asked me what my thought was. I've said on my show before, if I got to do a show on Fox News, a lot of it, I've always been curious. What would I do with a show? Like you, I've talked about yeah. running for office just to see what it'd be like. I want, if, I, if Fox gave me a primetime platform, what, would it, what kind of show would I do? Well, now I know the answer because it's basically the show Tucker did for five years. And then I know the answer of how they would have responded. Yeah. <laughs> I know the answer to that, too. You've been there down that road anyways. Yeah, I've done that. I've been on that ride yeah. a few times. So I know how they would have responded to said show. Okay? So I get that, too. All right? But so I, I say this as a fanboy. But that interview tomorrow, folks, is going to tell us a lot about wh- what Tucker Carlson is planning for the future. I don't know. I know him personally a little bit. Not very well. I can tell you his former producer at Fox News that I had dinner with last year when Tucker came in here for the first time, him and I had dinner at 801 Grand downtown. He's working for Trump now. 
what again was the lou- the loudest applause line of the uh, the leadership summit? What was it again? The jabs. Yeah, when Tr- when Tucker said he hadn't taken any of the jab. Tucker called BS on Sidney Powell during the Stop the Steal stuff. We've seen Tucker's text messages because they came out from the January 6th hearings um, about how disappointed he was with Trump and the the stolen election stuff. Now, I'm a guy that absolutely believes the the election was stolen. I've I've laid this thing out. How many more times do I have to do this? I'm not going to do it again. I mean, Tucker, in one of his very first video commentaries on TNT on, on, on Twitter, when it was still Twitter, uh, talked about how Trump is prone to uh, surrounding himself with poor personnel choices because he um, he has a, he's, he's he loves to be flattered. He's a, he's addicted to flattery. Right. He talked mm-hmm. about that. Um, uh, you know, Tucker was out there saying that Trump will be the only candidate he thinks that would keep us out of war with Ukraine. And like it was like literally the day after or two days after the leadership summit, tr- t- Trump did an interview on Fox News where um, where he said, hey, I'll, I'll give Zelensky even more money and munitions if Putin won't come to the table. I'll, I'll, I'll arm Zelensky even more than he's currently being ar- than he's currently being armed. These are questions that have to be asked. I, I, I cannot come up with a good reason why you would sit across from the guy who thinks that the jab you don't want to take is the greatest, maybe the greatest accomplishment of his, of his presidency that saved 100 million lives, and it just would not come up. I will be very curious to see how this is handled. Very curious. I mean, if you look, in, if you look at the way Tucker interviewed Ron DeSantis at the Leadership Summit, for reasons I have no idea, the first question was about red tide, some f- phenomenon in Florida, and you only get you only got what twenty minutes or something up there, and that was like the first five or ten. What was the point of that? I have no idea what that was. So, I, there is a choice before Tucker Carlson, and and all of us in this business face this choice, and that is: Are we going to stay on a narrow road, or are we going to put the ring on our figures because that's where the profit is? We going to be? Are we going to stay prophetic, or are we going to? become about profit primarily which profit will we primarily be about and i think tucker is the most at the minimum the most important voice the american right has produced what he did for five years on fox was the most important work the american right had done in one singular figure since rush limbaugh at his zenith that's my opinion and that to me that's at a minimum I mean, I've, I've only been invited on Fox News primetime twice in my career. You won't find a show with a larger audience than me that has been on Fox News primetime less than I have been on the right. I promise you. With one exception, Steve Bannon, maybe. I've only got, only got invited on there twice. Who invited me both times? Tucker did. Yeah. What was the subject both times? COVID. COVID, the jab, Fauci. These things have to come up in this interview, right? And if they don't, uh, if they don't, then what has happened here, in my view, is Tucker has decided that he, outside of Fox News, he needs a base. And and that base will be, essentially, I'm just going to be a better version of what we see from other people now, and I'm going to be the Matt Drudge of, the, of MAGA Inc. And, and inherit this base when Trump moves on. Because those are the only reasons that you wouldn't do that. And, and we're going to, and he'll become, if he doesn't do that, he'll become what he was opposing. 
He'll become the new gatekeeper. And we'll go, like I said, like I warned about a month ago, we will go from, will it play on Fox? Will that get me on Fox to, will that play with Tucker? Will Tucker talk about this? Will he put me on? We don't need better gatekeepers, folks. We need zero gatekeepers. Zero. We just have to let the truth have its way. Let's put the truth in the arena and let's see who does the best job of telling the truth. And whoever does the best job, I hope they make all the money. But those questions have to come up, I believe, if, if for this to be a credible endeavor. And if they don't, then just endorse Trump and get it over with. And up, there's probably even good reasons to do it. But then that kind of tells you we've given up now what, what it was that made, it, made him such a force of nature on Fox. And then he would essentially get kicked off of Fox to only then go do the kind of programming that if he did that when he was on Fox, he'd still be on Fox. If you're going to do that programming, just do it on Fox then and keep the job. Don't go out independent and lose your independence. That doesn't make any sense to me. So I am very interested in how this goes tomorrow night. I will tell you, I think the debate is almost a nothing burger at this point, unfortunately. Um, I, I would, I've been saying all year long, the biggest event would be the first time they were on the stage in August. They're not, gonna, not only are we not going to get Trump and DeSantis on a stage, now we're going to have a bunch of clowns nobody cares about has covered, occupying air and taking away airtime. That's just not, it's almost like the RNC went out there and sabotaged its own event on purpose. Because the RNC went out there and sabotaged its own event on purpose. That's why it's almost like that. You look like you have a quick thought before we get out of here. I just think you're so right about Tucker. That Tucker, I think a condition for doing this interview with Trump is like, I'm going to hit you hard on this. And I think he... I hope so. And I think he also advised him, this is the answer you should give. And we'll see what happens. I hope so. I hope... I'm, I'm, I'm fine with both those things. Because at least finally... Finally now, something tells me Trump's taking advice from somebody other than Lindsey Graham types and Laura Loomer types. Somebody who's actually smart. Back here on the Steve Day Show and our friends at First Liberty came on board the show yesterday. We are pleased to have them be here with us because they have been a part of a seismic shift in the legal system representing Joe Kennedy, who was uh, fired as a high school football coach for taking a knee uh, in prayer on the field after games. Something he'd done for many years. Suddenly, uh, a pharaoh who knows not Joseph takes over the administration and decides uh, that he's got to be fired uh, for this. Uh, so First Liberty Institute, they defended him and did so successfully. And now they want to honor Coach Kennedy, and they want to make sure that we honor the precedent that they set that uh, has undid 50 years of bad uh, previous legal precedent with what they're calling the first freedom challenge. All right. Uh, we want people to fill local stadiums and pray after the game, just like coach Kennedy and on his first game back. That's Friday, September 1st, Friday, September 1st. Here's three things that you can do to promote the first freedom challenge. Number one, sign up at rfia.org, rfia.org and commit to praying on September one. Uh, two, record a short video message challenging people to take a knee in prayer with coach Kennedy. And number three, Share your video on social media and let the world know that the freedoms intended by our founding fathers are back. And join me and others in taking the first freedom challenge. Sign up at RFIA.org. Again, sign up at RFIA.org. Welcome back. Not just a good friend of the show, but uh, but frankly, a hero. 
somebody who saved lives uh, over the last few years so when others stood by and were not willing to even try our good friend dr molly james molly it's good to have you back on the show how are you hi steve thanks for having me doing great you bet you have recently launched a lawsuit and that's what we wanted to talk to you about tell us about it Yes. So um, I filed a lawsuit against Mercy of St. Louis. They are one of my employers and they terminated me over uh, denying a religious exemption when the vaccine mandates came down. Um, I'd like to first say that never should you need any kind of exemption when a side effect or a possible outcome is death. Declining it on its face should be all that you need to do. However, in this instance, this is a Catholic health institution. And I told them that it defies my religious beliefs and I wouldn't do it. And as a result, I was terminated. Hmm. So you want justice and accountability, in other words. Well, hospitals have acted so egregiously in the last few years, the way they've treated patients, the way they have violated patient rights, the way they have violated their employees and their team members and colleagues and professionals, um, somebody needs to hold them to account. And they have violated the law. They made the process of getting a religious exemption very burdensome for many people. This has put enormous stress on families and team. And so many people were coerced into getting the shot that now are left with a lifetime of medical issues. Um, So somebody has to hold them to account. What is the benign and innocent explanation, a medical system like the Cleveland Clinic, which, you know, in your industry is by a lot of people considered maybe just one step below a a Mayo in terms of um, respect and honor. And yet they put out a lot of data during 2021. Uh, They were analyzing their own employees in the medical system, finding that the jab was not very effective at preventing the spread of COVID, even among their own employees. And yet they kept their vaccine mandate upon those same employees. They kept it until the very day the Supreme Court threw it out. What is the benign, innocent explanation for why they would just ignore their own internal data set? Yeah, there isn't a benign. I mean, this is nefarious. One of my employers actually sent an email that said, we are doing this because it affects our CMS reimbursement. So this was all about control and it was all about money, just like their treatment plans were all about money. You know, they denied ivermectin because remdesivir is the medicine that had the big payout. So nothing that happened during COVID is for the benefit of the patient or the colleagues. And interestingly, Mercy as a health system actually penalized people who were given exemptions and told them they were forced to wear an N95 mask the entirety of their shift. That breaks OSHA violations uh, or breaks OSHA standards. They have to have an entire respiratory plan of action if they're going to force masks upon people. Um, so they really have just made things up and they need to be held accountable. So Molly, where has the accountability been? And, and furthermore, why aren't there clamorings for accountability? So the reason there aren't clamorings for accountability is because doctors like myself have been placed under investigation by medical boards for 18 months at a time, which inhibits my ability to get additional licenses or renew licenses. Um, You see the American Board of Internal Medicine are taking away, I believe, the board certifications of Pierre Corey and Paul Merrick. I just saw an article on that this weekend. Mm -hmm. So across the board, doctors who have spoken out have been had their knees cut off and been silenced by the institutions that are taking money from the CDC and the FDA. 
And that was to chill speech. That was to keep people quiet, keep them compliant. You would be shocked how many doctors tell me behind the scenes, like, yeah, I'll send people to you because I can't do anything about it in my current position. I can't prescribe ivermectin. It's just nonsense. Why aren't the people clamoring for it then? I So I think that's a very good point and explanation that if you don't work in the healthcare industry, you probably don't understand accreditation, licensing, and who holds the purse strings and control over those uh, necessities in your line of work. And they're all controlled by the spirit of the age. I, on another issue, we were talking a couple months ago about the governor of Utah, who last year vetoed legislation in the state that would have banned some form of, the, of gender mutilation because he thought it was going too far. Now he's showing up on Sunday talk shows and lefty media talking about why he's proud to sign the legislation. When asked about it, he said, well, you know, here's what I've learned over the last year. A lot of the same medical uh, associations that were telling me that this was necessary for kids to have access to gender mutilation, they are, uh, they've politicized. They're not objective. Um, they're, they're essentially radicalized politically. They're, and so I don't believe the information they're giving me is objective and true. And you're required on some level, even if you form your own independent endeavor as you did, you still have to get licensed somewhere. On some level, you, still, you can't get around completely engaging these politicized entities and institutions in order to even operate independently to treat people one-on-one if you wanted to. So I think that's good that people need to understand that. My wife faces the same thing just in the mental health field as a therapist. It's, it's, you know, at some point, she has to engage some of these exact same entities while holding onto a biblical worldview at the exact same time. But how about the people? Where, where are the people who, where are all the people who were, were those 10,000 businesses that, that were erased by lockdowns? The people who lost loved ones because they didn't get a cancer screening or uh, they died suddenly after taking a third booster. Where's their clamoring? Where's the clamoring of the people themselves, do you think? I think it's multifactorial. I think there's people that, you know, there there's the polarized left and the polarized right. There's about 15% on either end that are never going to take a single other shot. And there's 15% that'll take anything CNN says is good for them. And then there's a lot of really good people in the middle that just want to live their life, raise their children, go to church and have a vacation every year and be good people. They don't, they're not looking for problems. They don't know how to solve this. There aren't a lot of people out there that are saying, I'm going to get justice for you in the legal in the legal system. They've had trouble finding attorneys to take this. And, you know, it's, it's true, though. I think there's a degree of apathy. As long as you have your Internet Wi-Fi and your credit cards are working and you have your Netflix, people are pacified. And until it really threatens something that's dear to them, they're not going to speak up. Hmm. How much of this is... And this is one of the things I've theorized about on the show when we've debated this question amongst ourselves. When there have been other societal calamities or tragedies that in hindsight we recognized were immoral, unethical, unjustified, even even unnecessary, they were largely relegated to a certain segment of the populace. And other people maybe were just victims of it but didn't necessarily have a hand in it and so it it would not it would not be an affront to them to do an assessment of something that they never took any ownership of to begin with that was that was being done in a in a in a subset or class or socioeconomic group of the population that they weren't privy to or part of mm-hmm. but in this case with very very limited exception we all wore the mask 
Over 80% of American adults took at least one dose of that genetic serum. With very limited exceptions, we dutifully shut down our businesses and our churches and stayed at home. And, and so it's a little bit like, I don't have, do I have any credibility to question the things that I myself took part in, maybe even encouraged others to take part in. And now I find out after the fact it was terrible and bad, but I just want to move on. I don't want to go back and relive the fact that I was a party to this, that this wasn't just yeah. happening in California. It wasn't just happening in New York, okay? That it happened everywhere and almost everybody feels that tainted by it. And so there's very few people that really feel as if they are interested enough to go through an accountability that won't rope them in at the same time. Yeah. And that applies to me too, because I took care of 1500 people that died in the ICU before I figured out there was a better treatment plan and a better strategy out there. So, you know, there's not a day that doesn't weigh on my heart about that. Um, at the time it happened, we didn't know better. So we were doing the best we could to protect fellow man. And we just didn't know. And I think as people learned and figured it out, then we, then the accountability starts, right? I feel like everybody gets a free pass for the first 90 days or so because they just caught us blindsided. Um, that won't happen again, at least with our generation. Um, we already hear rumblings that it's coming again in a few months. And if not in a few months, it will come again. Um, so we have to be ready. And I think now is the true challenge. So yeah, I mean, I feel like 2020, most people get a pass for those first few months because it was disastrous. Mm -hmm. And we were hearing was so atypical that we just did the best we could with the information we had at the time. Final thing, or two more things. Number one, what do you think it means we just had an election last year after all the hell they put us through over COVID for a few years and really not a single meaningful incumbent, Republican or Democrat, that helped them do it to us, lost. But they all won. Yeah, I don't know. Um, when it comes time, the Republicans seem to, to sell out um, I don't think we can count on the majority of them to stand up for us with few exceptions um, and not enough to sway the vote, right? So until it affects them, again, dollars donated or votes, they're not going to do something different. Um, I don't know how to change that. Um, I think we've seen it over and over again. And fractioning off into a conservative and more wider based Republican Party doesn't seem to be the answer either. So um, I don't know how that happens, but it's frustrating. So where, where does your case go from here? What kind of timeline and stuff are, are you operating on so that our audience can follow it if they want to? I'm actually not sure. Um, it took us two years to even, uh, we still haven't been issued a right to sue letter. Um, so that's why it's been such a long process. There's a, there's a state law and statute in Missouri that you have to go through the Equal Employment Opportunity Center. Um, you have to go through the, the normal steps. Um, we were reaching our deadline to file and hadn't been given that yet. So we had to move forward. Um, justice is slow, right? And people count on that. So um, I'm in no rush. You know, I'm taking care of patients. We're going to be ready for what comes next. And that's all I can do. But Mercy needs to be held account for denying medications to people and watching people die when they were absolutely, I presented them the data that there was a better way. And they told me, pat me on the head and sent me on my way and said, I can assure you ivermectin has no role in this. Hmm. So you mentioned uh, you're continuing to treat patients at least once every couple of weeks. I get an email from somebody and refer them to you. All right. So before we let you go, uh, make sure you put a plug in there for your clinic and what you guys are doing and, uh, and how people can engage you if they need help. 
Yeah. So we're jamesclinic.com. I'm pretty active on Instagram and Twitter. Um, at James underscore clinic is our clinic. Um, that's more medical information at malls. James is my personal. And then I do, I am launching a new podcast, um, right after labor day, uncensored truth and medicine. So, um, stay tuned. I'll keep you updated. Great stuff. Always good to see you, Molly. Thank you. Great to see you. Thanks for having me. You bet. Keep up the great work. Um, also speaking of great work, we are bringing back masterworks. Um, Bloomberg reports as equities cratered last year, art prices increased along with the highest total sales ever for major auction houses. And so now the art market has actually passed where it was pre pandemic. So how can you take advantage of this? Well, tens of thousands of everyday investors already use today's sponsor masterworks where you can invest without needing millions or even an art degree. Every painting masterworks has sold to date has delivered a positive return to their investors every single one, including net annualized returns of 10, 17, even 35%. All this year, uh, naturally past performance, not always a guarantee of future returns, and any investment involves risk, including the loss of principal. However, Masterworks track record indicates that this might be a, a risk worthy of taking for an annualized net return of 77%. That's incredible. Now, my audience, you get special access to skip the wait list. Just go to masterworks.art slash the Steve Day Show. Masterworks.art slash the Steve Day Show. Masterworks.art slash the Steve Day Show to get more information and to get going. And if you want to see important disclosures, just go to masterworks.com slash CD. That's masterworks.com, masterworks.art slash the Steve Day Show though if you want to make some money and get going all right thoughts on our conversation here with molly james i just have so much respect for her because doing what she's doing is just an all in it's not it's not just a professional thing it's it's an entire life path you are choosing because you are taking down not not just a business not just a hospital in your effort here you're taking down a religion the, the doctors have long been the high priests of people's lives, including most Christians. This is why I tell you, and I'll always tell you, and it doesn't matter how mad you get about it, that many Christians, uh, if they're given the choice between vaccinating their child and baptizing them, they would choose the vaccination. You have long believed that that baby you have and that life you have is a ticking time bomb from the second you're born. Yet you, you, your, your faith tells you that you are created in the image and likeness of God. Um, there's a problem there. You, you, be, you believe in contradictory nonsense more than anything in your life. The hills you will die in are whatever these doctors tell you to do. And that is what Molly is trying to break through. And that's why there's no consequences more than any other reason. Because you don't want them because this is your idol. I'm in a growing way convinced that many wearing our jersey and you've made this point before Todd they just we just didn't really learn anything not enough eyes were away uh, 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 you know were, were opened a lot more were about what's really going on with our you know with our health bureaucracy a lot of people's eyes were opened but not a critical mass and we've asked for years what will it take to X, Y, Z? What will it take for a critical mass to form? I thought maybe that, that could have happened, particularly with 
health and just illustrating how far deep the, the public health establishment goes. But I'm, I'm not sure that we've reached that point. Will another lockdown, will another mask mandate, will another jab mandate uh, force people to wake up? I don't know. We're going to find out, though. I, I fear that we're going to have to find that out. And I hate that. Hour two is next. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. And all of you, though, hopefully not all at once. Well, let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Just email me, Steve, at SteveDace.com. Uh, like me on Facebook, MeWeGab. And uh, also, you can follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter or X. Getter, Instagram, TikTok, and if you really want to go on an expedition, you can try hard. It's really hard to find me on Truth Social because I am the only man in America simultaneously being censored by Mark Zuckerberg and Donald Trump at the same time. So you can try to find, it ain't easy, all right? It ain't easy, but you can try to find me at Real Steve Dace on Truth Social, at Real Steve Dace on Truth Social, where I believe they've now permitted me to have a little more than 11,000 followers. And I'm just, at this point, I'm just posting there out of spite. Just to the last. <laughs> just It's just out of spite, nothing more than that. Um, if you are a podcast listener, thank you so much. You're a big part of our audience, and we appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, if you like the show, leave us a five-star review. But you might be like, well, I don't really like the show. Well, we wouldn't ask you to lie. Just maybe keep that knowledge to yourself. And then you might be like, well, I kind of like the show. Well, we would ask, we would ask you to exaggerate. We, we don't feel ashamed in doing that. So if you kind of like the show, just go right to a five-star review. In fact, we kind of like one-star reviews. Not as much as five-star, but we would rather get just only five and one-star reviews, right? Yeah. I mean, we don't want anything in between. So just a five or a one-star review. And thank you to all of you that have provided those for us in the past. We appreciate each and every one. Uh, this portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Sweatblock. The heat is back on, Glenn Fry. Man, have you guys seen the temperatures? The heat wave from July is back this week, particularly here in the Midwest. So make sure you are ready uh, with our friends over at Sweatblock. They're antiperspirant wipes. That's the OG. That's what got them started. Um, and those help if, if just struggle, you know, when the adrenaline gets going, the metabolism gets going, the anxiety gets going, a first date, a job interview, a stressful situation, public speaking, right? Um, and, and you want to make sure you're not sweating through your coat, your shirt. Uh, get those antiperspirant uh, wipes. You can also get their deodorant stick. It packs a wallop for sure. I'm a big fan of the deodorant lotions which uh, help uh, certain parts uh, that are a little bit more intimate from, uh, you know, becoming a little swampy this time of year. Uh, sweatblock.com is where you want to go. Use the promo code DACE to get 20% off. That's sweatblock.com, all one word. Sweatblock.com, promo code DACE for 20% off. Coming up later in this segment, fake news or not, with a poll that may get me shot right here on, this, on set. Aaron has even called for my shooting uh, at the beginning of the show. <laughs> it's not even an exaggeration. All right, we've got a loaded air gun right here. Right. Gladly so. And we'll find out if Todd agrees. He's Commodus here. He'll give me the uh, trigger on or trigger off. 
uh, based on what we're going to discuss here in about uh, 15 minutes for fake news or not. And then the trip I recently took to Cleveland, we'll get into Pop Culture Tuesday next segment. And just because I'm a Theo nerd, I just kind of noticed a few things that maybe the average person at the NFL Hall of Fame, I'm sorry, Pro Football Hall of Fame, or the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, or the 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 story the, the the home where they filmed a Christmas story. Maybe you wouldn't have picked up on these things if you were there, but I did. And so we will discuss those coming up uh, at the bottom of the hour, and we'll have a very special guest join us for that conversation as well. You are giving me a quizzical look, no. Todd. No, I'm looking forward to it. Or are this. you just practicing your aim? Is that what it is? Uh, I mean, this is point blank. You can't miss from here, right? I just... I, the coattails of this job continue to grow and grow. When you you get to ride those coattails while have it, while have clear, a loaded air gun, clear, and clear. if if I yes. you know take this data seriously, then you guys are to shoot me right here on set. That's the deal that we made. It's right? like Christmas every day here. <laughs> this is my pumpkin spice right here, folks. Nice pumpkin spice. That's my pumpkin spice. All right, um, let's get serious for a second. Uh, the latest indictment against former President Trump that came down about a week and a half ago from Fulton County, Georgia, um, also named several co alleged co-conspirators that were also indicted. And one of them joins us now. Um, she was one of the attorneys in the Trump White House, also hosts a show on, for the American Family Association. I mentioned at the top of the program, uh, she was one of the counsels that helped win John MacArthur's landmark case against the state of California and L.A. County. And that's what the movie uh, The Essential Church is about. I'd highly recommend it. It's well done. Jenna Ellis joins us here on the show. Jenna, it's good to have you with us for the first time. How are you? I'm, I'm good, actually. Um, remarkably so. And it's been amazing to see conservatives and Christians across uh, the country and across the world stand up in support of me. And uh, you were one of the first, Steve. So thank you so much. And I'm really grateful for your support and friendship. Well, you deserve it. I mean, you're you are following in a, in a, in a long, proud tradition within the history of Christianity. I mean, I, I'm not sure. I mean, the list of luminaries and influential uh, people including our own Lord in the history of the church that spent some time either under the threat of incarceration or actually being incarcerated. Um, it actually exceeds the list of those who did not. And a um, couple of examples. I mean, I already mentioned the Lord himself uh, was arrested. Uh, John Bunyan wrote the second best selling nonfiction book of all time, Pilgrim's Progress. And he, he wrote it while in a prison cell for over a decade. He wrote the manuscript on the walls um, of, uh, of uh, you know, of his cell. And then when he got out of prison, he published that book and it became and remains to this day a worldwide phenomenon. So, I mean, this is um, I, I, it seems weird to say, but congrats. I mean, this is actually if you look at the tradition that you represent, you're right in line with it, Jenna. Well, and this is exactly what uh, the Essential Church movie was all about, is the tradition of uh, the church in standing up for the essential truth that doesn't change of the doctrine of God in the midst of this countercultural paradigm uh, between 
the truth of God and the state, which is always trying to come in and tell Christians how we can worship God, how we can't worship God, what we can and can't say and what we can and can't do, not only within the walls of our churches, but within and without the public square. And so um, this is unfortunately just the next step of political persecution against um, not only Christians like me, but also the conservative position as a whole that um, truly, Steve, this is trying to criminalize the practice of law. And what Georgia is saying uh, to those of us who are targeted by this indictment is that if you dare to represent as a lawyer our political opponent, then you deserve to go to jail. You deserve to have your livelihood taken away. You deserve to have your reputation trashed. And I have been uh, living this persecution since Trump left office, and actually even since, but before Trump left office. I mean, I was getting death threats. I was getting all kinds of things um, from the from the the private sector. But after he left office, um, I was subpoenaed by the January 6th committee. I've had lawsuits filed against me. Um, I've had Democrat operatives and this group called the 65 Project that targeted over 100 Trump lawyers to try to disbar us. I mean, this is just the next step that now they're trying to actually criminalize the practice of law. And later this week, I will actually have to go and surrender to uh, Fulton County Jail and literally become a political prisoner and get arrested because I dared to stand up for a client and because I dare to speak truth. I know you can't get into the specifics of the case for obvious reasons. Were you surprised, though, when you were named in the indictment, or did you anticipate this all along? Um, I didn't anticipate it at all, and I was learning, like uh, the rest of the American public and people around the world that were watching this, that I was named as this was coming out in the news. Um, I had no advance knowledge of uh, what was exactly contained. I mean, obviously, there were reports. There were uh, reporters that were suggesting people that may or may not be named, but um, but I wasn't uh, given a target letter, nothing like that uh, from Fulton County that would have indicated that I was part of this. And um, so, you know, my response though immediately was to try to be in the mold of Pastor John MacArthur, who stood up against the political persecution in Los Angeles County and against the state of California and say, okay, this is what God has uh, for me to walk through. How do I respond rightly? And what do I do next? Because I know that people will be watching me as a Christian and I want to respond rightly. And obviously, um, like the Apostle Paul in scripture, who uh, used all of his legal defenses at the time and, and appealed to the law and appealed mm -hmm. to moral uprightness. I'll certainly do that as well. Uh, but my immediate response is, okay, what does God have for me next? Did you have difficulty because of all the things that you just itemized a few minutes ago? Have, did you have difficulty acquiring competent counsel that was willing to take on the very system that then may later tried to do to them exactly what they're now trying to do to you? Well, I know that has been difficult uh, for a lot of people, and thankfully, um, my attorney who uh, has been with me through this entire effort, uh, Mike Melito, um, a very dear friend of mine, um, is still staying on, but obviously uh, I needed to obtain Georgia local counsel. Um, I was able to do that. The interesting thing about this is how costly it is, and I was getting 
from from attorneys who are willing to accept the case. I mean, I had people quote to me up to one million dollars just as a retainer fee uh, because this is so high profile. It's Trump related, all of those things. And, you know, necessarily people have to, unfortunately, take that into consideration of whether representing a lawyer who represented Donald Trump would then be attacked uh, for their own position. And I know that Mike Melito um, has gotten a lot of uh, attacks from the the Colorado uh, defense bar and people who otherwise are willing to represent, you know, the most heinous of actors um, and the most heinous of, of accusations against, you know, criminals in Colorado. But somehow, because he dares to represent me, then somehow, uh, you know, that's completely beyond the pale. And, and this is where we're at a pivotal moment, Steve, in America, where even some people who ardently support Donald Trump are now against me because I dare to say good things about Governor DeSantis. And it's almost like they're borrowing the talking points from the left to say, well, if you are now my political opponent on just one thing, then you deserve all of this. And we hope that you don't prevail. And what I am so disappointed in and frankly frightened about with my fellow Americans is seeing how many people are basking in this criminalization of the uh, of the practice of law against their political opponents. We should never ever have that in America. I would never want to see the system being weaponized against someone who who who, who just represented legally Hillary Clinton or a Joe Biden or even Hunter Biden. He deserves competent counsel. And, and we don't deserve to have a two-tier justice system. We can talk about that all day. But every single person, no matter if you're Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, I don't care who you are, you deserve competent counsel. That's the adversarial system. That's the constitutional system in America. Except our social compact is broken, Jenna. And that, and that, that is the Constitution is... Um, is an is a quantific is a quantifying of what that social compact is because this is because we the people what does it mean to form a more perfect union because we want to live in union with one another all right because we want to live e pluribus unum despite our differences and so there, because there will be differences we want to construct a system that will allow those differences to be adjudicated to be heard um, maybe even aggressively but in a peaceful process to maintain the social compact to maintain the union and order here's a constitution where where there are limited scopes of authority and power that each side can use that the government itself can be deployed to use in order for the social compact the social order the fabric of who we are to be maintained um and but we don't have that anymore that that is broken One, one side is determined it doesn't want e pluribus unum it wants power and control it, it doesn't want to, to live with us. It wants us to live um, in, with, in, in author- with them in authority over us. And, and so I think moving forward for us, whatever we are, I, I don't have a clue if we're a movement. I know we're an industry. I know we're making a ton of money. I have no clue if we're any form of effective movement at all. I, I, I find it funny. I've been saying for months they're going to arrest Donald Trump and a lot of his most prominent spokespeople with huge audiences didn't tell their audiences this and now they are. 
I said for months after they indict him, they will then try to take him off the ballot. Now, again, those exact same people who, when I said this a few months ago, I was a terrible person. Now they're telling their audiences. I, I still don't think to this day much of our combined audiences on the right have really truly understand what is happening here and what is at stake here and what the other side fully intends to do. And I think because much of conservative media, frankly, doesn't want to tell them, probably because it's not good for business and maybe they don't want to hear it, even if they were willing to. Um, and, and over the next year, heads are going to freaking explode as they see more and more stories like yours. We're, we're up against a, this is spirit of the age kind of stuff. This is, ant, this is anti, stuff of antifadas and, in, in, and, and, and inquisitions. And this isn't going to stop unless it is stopped. It's not going to just look at polls and decide, well, we might lose and we've gone too far. All that other stuff that we would have policed each other with in the past, Jenna, all off the table. You're living proof of this. You're, you are a living stone right now testifying to what I am saying is true. And, there, and, and, and we are in a, a state of cold civil war, and, and I don't see a way to end it. Just how did the old civil, how did the, how did the cold war end? Mutually assured destruction. The crazies in the Kremlin had to be shown you really can't win a nuclear war. No one wins this. All that happens is we just have mushroom clouds around the globe. And so we had to show them we can fire back at you too so that you won't fire at us. And I think that, uh, sadly, I think there's no way out of this minus that, that we have to show if you go here, then we will, we'll get our people now to go after your people. That, I, I don't know another way to do that. I don't believe any high-minded constitutional arguments will persuade our enemies here because they've already dismissed the Constitution in their minds anyway. The social compact is broken. I'll give you the last word. Well, I think we have to remember that there were three very important words uh, that were written by our founders even before the words, we the people, and it was this unanimous declaration. And our Declaration of Independence was premised in fighting tyranny on the worldview statement that our rights come from God, our creator, and the sole purpose of government is to preserve and protect our rights. And when the government transgresses that, and when they infringe and they become tyrants, then we have not only the duty, but the obligation and the power power as the people to reform our government and to reshape that. So that's what we're actually talking about here. And I agree with you that when we are being put in this double bind as conservatives to say either we have to just sit back and take it or we have to fight uh, tit for tat and we have to go aggressively after them, then I think that that is just tearing down our civil society with our own hands as well. And I think the only solution to this is gaining the courage to have good judicial precedent, good legislative solutions, and people who are willing to stand up and fight back like the pastors who are being raided by the FBI for uh, being outside of uh, of Planned Parenthood clinics, like the the teachers and the parents who go into school board meetings just wanting to know what's in their children's curriculum, and they're being now put on the domestic terrorism watch list. I mean, this cannot stand. And if we are going to have any semblance of a constitutional republic like our founders provided, we have to go back and all unanimously understand and declare what is the purpose of government. And the great thing, as the late great Justice Scalia said, uh, in a wonderful video that I would encourage you, it's free on YouTube, go watch it. it. He's testifying in front of the Judiciary Committee and he's talking about American exceptionalism. And he says the great thing and what makes our country the most free and the most fair 
is not just that we have the Bill of Rights. Every banana republic has a First Amendment or something like that, right, that guarantees certain rights. It is the separation and limitation of powers in our country that allows for human flourishing and allows for liberty. We have to get back. And that's not just a sophisticated sort of highfalutin uh, constitutional argument. It's what our system is predicated upon. And it's the only reason that we have persisted as the greatest country on the face of the earth. We have to get back to that and not allow the Democrats to weaponize that system, use it against us and use every institution by tearing it down. And we cannot participate in the tearing down and dismantling of the Constitution by engaging in the same type of warfare and lawfare that they engage on us. Jenna, if people want to donate to your legal defense. I mean, you mentioned the exorbitant cost. Um, how can they do that? Thank you so much. And I am not a wealthy person. And so this has all been very, very difficult. And I really sincerely appreciate people who are praying for me and who are willing to donate to the legal fund. It is givesendgo.com forward slash support Jenna. And um, I've had so many conservatives like you, Steve, who have openly supported me and we are up to over $90,000, which is a great start. This will probably cost me um, in excess of half a million dollars to defend. So that's what we're looking wow. at raising. And I really very much appreciate everyone who's standing by me. I had a little birdie tell me John Eastman's costs have been well over a million already for his legal I defenses. I don't doubt that. It's, it's insane and absurd. Jenna, very sorry that this is happening to you. And, uh, but um, um, inspired by your resolve. So thank you for joining us and uh, we'll keep in touch, okay? Thank you so much, Steve. And thank you for your friendship and your Christian support. And you and Amy are amazing. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Take care. Let's switch gears and go to the fake news or not. And maybe that gut-wrenching testimony from Jenna Ellis might have softened Todd to the point that I'm not about to get shot point blank with this air gun. You have a chance. Okay. I want to show this poll that came out this weekend from CBS News. Feel what they tell you is true. Trump voters. 71% 71% say Trump feel, they feel like Trump tells them the truth the most often. 63% said friends and family. 56% said people like me, conservative media figures. 42% said religious leaders. I am calling BS on this poll. Here's why. And then you tell me if my reason why is fake news or not. Who's the number one group that was unwilling to take the COVID jab? The number one resistant group? The very people in this poll. But the very people this poll claims to be polling. Who's the number one promoter of the jab? Trump. Who's the funder of the jab? Trump. Literally the only person left in America with any public standing at all that is still carrying water for the jab. Literally the only one. Like the only one who in public is still praising the jab is Donald Trump. Literally the only one. No one else currently is. In fact, they're out there telling you his former FDA commissioner, the uh, big pharma hack, 
Scott Gottlieb, is telling you we're going to need a new vaccine for the new uh, 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 COVID variant. Going to need a new one, but it's on the way. The only person still promoting the original COVID vaccine narrative that has any standing publicly at all is Donald Trump. And yet his people were the least inclined to take it. What this poll is presenting is that these people are, all of them, all of them are a cult, basically. And that Trump could say, go off a bridge and we will do it. But if that were true, and if their family members told them to do it, they'd be less likely to do it. If the church told them to do it, they'd be less likely to do it. Frankly, the best news of that poll actually yeah. is that only 42% <laughs> of you are trusting your religious leaders. So on that front, we'd be in, okay? Or conservative media figures at yeah, 56%. Yeah, that's also promising. Um, but if it was true that, they tr- that, they, that these people uncondi- almost unconditionally believed from their lips to God's ears, or Trump's ears, from Trump's lips to God's ears, frankly, if they really believed that, they would have lined up to take the jab. Many of them did not. They're the most jab-skeptical group in the country. And the only person that is still promoting the jab, the only person that has lost any, that is still losing political capital on the jab is Donald Trump. So that in and of itself is living proof that it, what, what this poll is intimating isn't as true, at least isn't as true as this poll is intimating. The same people in this poll have already shown they are willing to break away from Trump when they think he's wrong. And they think he's wrong on one of the things Trump thinks he's the most right about. And so that's why I'm calling BS on this poll. I'm calling it fake news. So my fake news or not, gentlemen, the floor is yours. And I will brace myself now. Yeah, you are. I've got too many emails recently about the same people. They'll say it out loud without shame. That yeah, yeah, yeah but he had to he had to trust the experts. The same people that do we have to re- put Trump back in to drain the swamp, but he had to trust the experts and this is this guy lecturing me the last week and you would have too. Even you the anti-vaxxer, everybody would have. In a time like that, no one would have uh, done anything differently. I they they are they are they are proudly saying that he screwed up while everybody would have screwed up and you would have too and that really no one could have solved that rubik's cube it was just too hard they, they're open they're not even they don't even try to hide their how how obviously crossed their wires are on this with trump i mean i don't i think there's other angles to talk about whether this is fake news or or not about but i don't listen the 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 trump voter i just told you in between segments here the level of resentment people have even though they realize that they'd they'd be happy to vote for desantis and even though acknowledging that you said that you'd be willing to vote for trump they're like you're just being too hard on trump So then explain to me, okay, because I'm getting a lot of those. I get those emails yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Then explain to me then why they didn't take his jab. I, I don't, it doesn't, the reason why they didn't take, take his jab is immaterial. The fact that they continue, that they didn't take the jab and continue to be so resoundingly pro-Trump is, is the main point. The reasons what, what, don't matter. Aaron, I want to let you chime in on this so I don't occupy the time. Go ahead. It's entirely possible 
that only around 30% of Trump voters didn't take any of the jab. That's my answer. Well, hey, now we're talking. Oh, so, so you're, it's all so, show. Okay. It's all show. It's all not right, real. So Aaron, you're claiming the poll is accurate. And they're as jabbed up as anybody. That's and, and there, and, but the, but the, you think the percentage of the Trump vote that didn't, uh, the Trump supporters that didn't take the jab is that other 30%. Is so what you're what saying? Is it 15% of the population? Yeah. Of more the than 80% States? of American adults took at least one dose of the jab. More so than 80% of adults. 49 million people is what we're saying. Yeah. Um, 15, I'm sorry, 20, 30% of Trump's voters in 2020 would be about 22 million. So there's a difference there, but it's not, it's not, a, you know, it's not pronounced enough in my mind is called po- total BS on this. Okay. I had not considered that. So just to reiterate, you're saying that the people I'm talking about are actually quantified in this poll. Yep. They are just the other 30%. Yep. Hmm. Okay. I mean, it seemed, I hadn't considered that. That seems legit. That, well, that seems like at least a legit possibility to me. Erzin, what do you think? Yeah. I, I, think there, I, I think there's other angles that are more interesting to contemplate than... Than where we start the, the the initial premise of this. I just I, I it is not it's it's not a riddle to be solved about the level of di- whatever disconnect whatever the reasons are for them to continue to dear leader him as much as ever before, while saying that this was a mistake. But then they look at then it's your mistake too, Steve. You would have doesn't matter. You made it from. You took no risks. It was from behind your microphone. If you were president, Steve, you would have made everybody get jabbed. I've heard that from many, many people. I mean, I took no risks. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I went mean, out there for two years and risked my career and your right, livelihoods. Right. Pushing back on nearly every accredited medical expert that, that the Trump administration and the next generation and the next administration put up. And if I was wrong one time, I'm dead. Never working again because I, I would have caused people to die. You're right. I took no risks at all. None. Only and my entire career. That's all I. That's the only risk I took. And I've been my entire career, yeah, and and there's really nothing else I can do at this point because my political opinions are so incendiary and volatile. I can't. I couldn't get hired in another industry to broadcast, even if I wanted to. And I actually tried once. I can't. So I mean, it's literally this or you know Walmart greeter for me at this point. So I mean, I, I, I you're right. I took I no risk at all. And I've been None. an anti-vaxxer going way back, including with my own children. I took on the Des Moines Police Department. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I've, I've, I've took on the Carlisle school district. Yeah, I'm just sitting here. I mean, yeah, but this is, we get this all the time and you a hundred times more than I do, Steve. This riddle is never going to be solved and it's going to come in a different form. And that's why the gun's here. (laughs) Pop Culture Tuesday is next. Everyone deals with chronic pain from time to time, especially as we get older. What do I mean by chronic pain? That's that achy, soreness, stiffness that lingers and just won't go away. A lot of times that is because you've got too much inflammation in your joints. And that's why you're looking for 
relief factor. It is the all-natural, drug-free, anti-inflammatory, though it was created and made by physicians who can prescribe drugs. So then why they just do that? Why'd they come up with this? Well, I mean, there, there is a trade-off. I mean, the more often we have to take things like Tylenols and ibuprofens, um, those can, over the course of years of use, tax other organs and systems in our body. And so not always, sometimes there's not a way to, to deal with something all naturally and needing meds. So, you know, get the right medication. But if you can deal with something naturally, particularly as we get older, take full advantage of it. And that's what Relief Factor thinks it can do for you. In fact, they're so confident that they're going to offer you the three-week quick start to get you started for just $19.95. So 20 bucks, basically. 20 bucks to see if you don't see a difference in your pain and soreness level in three weeks or less. And why do they do this? Because over the years, 70% of the people who tried this saw such great results in three weeks or less, they stuck around and stuck with it. And so maybe that won't be your story. You know, but for 20 bucks, why not find out if it is relieffactor.com is where you want to go to give this a shot relieffactor.com or you can call them at 800 for the number four 800 for relief 800 for relief or relieffactor.com. All right, let's close this out with Pop Culture Tuesday. This is where we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservative uh, conservatism and gentlemen, we've got a special guest with us here. Uh, My daughter Anastasia. Good to see you, sweetie. How are you? Good. It's been a while. It's been a long time, I feel like. It has been because we've been traveling a lot and I've got to travel one more time. And so um, uh, we had to, and then a friend of ours um, might go to jail. So we kind of needed to give her some airtime. That's today. fair. Yeah. And so you, 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 you had to suffer for that, I'm afraid. But uh, I'm, I'm actually glad you're here for this conversation because I will be curious to get your, your take on it as uh, a, a representing, you know, a different generation, Gen Z. So, you know, your mom and I, and you guys know, uh, Amy and I, over the weekend, we took like one last kind of summer getaway before Mm -hmm. the fall arrives and the grind, you know, and you know, between school and work and football and now the Iowa caucuses, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to wake up like uh, uh, tomorrow and it's going to be January 16th. The next few months are going to fly by. Time is moving by really fast. Yeah. And so we're like, this is our last chance to do it now. Let's get away, you know. And so we went, we're all couples go to get away Cleveland. And I know that sounds weird, all right? But there was a there was a, a method to the madness. We're, we're trying to do this thing. We're visiting the various halls of fame that we're interested in, you know? Mm-hmm. So we went to the college, or, or the uh, Country Music Hall of Fame back in January in Nashville. And we visited the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. That was my pick. And then the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was your mom's, which I was fine with too. And and then we found out that um, the, the house where they filmed A Christmas Story is in Cleveland. I did see, I saw pictures from that. that yeah. was, I and, know you were probably fangirling over and then, that. Yes, and, and we went there and that was a blast. I mean, the tour we had was phenomenal. It was funny to hear the guy talk about, and they made this movie back in, they shot this movie back in 1983 on a shoestring budget. And he told us what it was, $3 million in 1983 money. Okay. <laughs> okay. We shot Nefarious Guys for $3 million in 2023 money. <laughs> Okay. And so when he said they shot this for only three million, Amy and I, your mom and I looked at each other like, I don't know, we kind of have experience that three million bucks goes a long way, you know. Um, but uh, um, the house they're in, um, 100% of all the backyard scenes in the movie were shot in the backyard of this home. About 20% of the interior shots in this movie were shot right there in the home. 
And they were out, they had a, a list of locations where they wanted to shoot the, A Christmas Story. And Cleveland was the only city that, Cleveland and um, I think it was somewhere in Ontario, were the only two cities that checked every box. And it would be more less expensive to shoot here than in Canada. So they wanted to shoot it here. And so they went out to scout and they found this house on the corner of uh, Raleigh Street, I think is where we were, in Cleveland. Like, this is perfect. And so they go to, the, the owner's not home, he's at the bar. So they go to the bar and they try to get the owner to, to let them shoot in the, you know out inside the house for 11 weeks. He's like, bleep, no, not happening. Then they offered him $20,000 and he was like, I'm listening, you know. But there was so many cool things about the house and uh, the stories about the film. And it was just extremely, really well done and a lot of fun. It's a hidden gem. It is worth your time. Two things that stood out to me about this. Number one, there was apparently a, sh- a scene shot, full, done, effects, everything, where Ralphie, in one of his dream sequences, mm-hmm. he takes his Red Rider BB gun into outer space and he saves Flash Gordon from Ming the Merciless. You probably have no idea who these characters are. I do not We know. do, though, right? Yes. Okay. And in fact, they are what inspired George Lucas to do Star Wars, was the Saturday morning serials with Flash Gordon when he was a kid. And... Uh, and they shot the whole thing and it was really well done. We even have the costumes and the people who were Flash Gordon and Ming the Merciless are in the credits to the movie. But this movie studio thought because the movie was geared towards kids, it could not be more than 90 minutes. And so they demanded the whole scene be cut. And then you've never seen it uh, like on a DVD extra because they got rid of all the footage. There's no footage of this. Just a couple of, you know, standalone pictures. All the, the footage of those scenes don't, do not exist. They're gone. All that exists are a couple of stock photos and the costumes. That's it. I thought that was interesting. Here's something else they said, though. I want to get you guys' take on this. They get a ton of requests from celebrities to come and do this tour. But they always turn them down because they want to come in either for free and not pay. And guys, it's like 20 bucks. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. They either want to come in for free and not pay or they want it. They want a private tour where it's just them. And they always turn them down. And when you go inside the house, there is only one picture of a celebrity going through the house, in the whole house. And you will not guess in a million years who it is. You will not guess in a million years who it is. Just take a guess. Who do you think it is? Just take one guess. Robert De Niro. No. I'd be pretty ironic if it was Donald Trump and you guys were there. (laughs) That's a great guess, but no, it was not Donald Trump. Aaron, you want to take a guess who it is? Can you give me a hint, former or current? Um, Still living. Still living. Mm. I don't Bill Cosby. (laughs) Oh, gosh. He made us do it. Well played, Aaron. Well played. That was very uncomfortable. (laughs) Rob Zombie. Nice. Is, is the, is yeah. the, oh, he's a heavy metal guy from the 90s, and he's tried to become like a horror movie director with mixed results, I guess we'll call it. He is the only celebrity that has a picture in the house of him going through the tour because he just came in one day completely on his own. He was on tour, heard that this is where the house was at. He's a huge fan of the movie. Just came in with his crew and stuff. They just paid tickets like everybody else. Went through the tour and stuff like everybody else did. And so because they so appreciated that he asked for nothing, just came and paid and his 20 bucks took the tour it's an hour long you would love it you would absolutely Anna I do love, love that I do love that movie you would love it okay I mean the the, the just it, we were smiling the whole time you couldn't help but smile okay the whole time and so Rob Zombie 
you know, apparently coming in from, you know, uh, 10,000 kills or whatever his last movie was, takes a break and let's go visit the house from a Christmas story. And so him and his crew came in one day, man, and they just went through the house and had a great time. They were great. They just did a normal tour, bought tickets. They were, they commiserated with all of the, the regular folk and went home, you know, take, went home, went to the gift shop, then went home like everybody else. You'd have never guessed that in a million years. It was Rob Zombie is the only one. Rob Zombie. I'm happy that Aaron asked who that was because I also haven't had no idea. You don't know who it is either. All right. All right. So here's two things that I observed at the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame politically is to the right of the Country Music Hall of Fame. I'm going to repeat that. And I'll put it another way. The Country Music Hall of Fame is to the left of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There is an entire wing of the Country Music Hall of Fame devoted to social justice, an entire wing of it. And you can tell they like recently just built it. And it's got rainbows everywhere and everything else. Garth Brooks in a giant picture wearing like a rainbow, you know, pendant or award or something. All right. It's an entire wing of the Country Music Hall of Fame. And I, if I it looked at the time like it was their most recent edition. It's just all social justice virtue signaling. Nothing like that exists at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Nothing. Nothing like that is even remotely. This is also a much bigger venue. We got through the Country Music Hall of Fame in like an hour, hour and a half tops, if you count in the shopping. We spent four hours inside the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And we could have spent more. Now, it did help that it was Beatles Friday. <laughs> okay. I know you like that. <laughs> and so I spent a good hour there alone by myself anyway. But there's nothing remotely close to that at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It, I mean, it, it, they take you back to the protest era and, you know, the 60s and the protest of, era of, the, of music coming out of the Vietnam War and stuff like that. But there is nothing. I mean, there's, there's, there's oh. just nothing there. There's nothing there. And it's five levels, five levels. And not, and not one exhibit or one level there is to do anything, is to addresses any current political issue or context on any level at all. And there is no rainbow wing at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But there is at the Country Music Hall of Fame. Discuss. Well, that's because rock and roll has always been countercultural on some level. That's a thread that makes it rock and roll. And it's been the argument against, you know, the more it's become turned into something like pop, that it's lost its its edge. Whereas the opposite is there, there's nothing counterculture ball country music. Country music was born out of embodying a very specific uh, culture. And now it's trying after, you know, it not it, it now it doesn't want to stand on the shoulder of giants. It wants to tear down its own statues, mm-hmm. just like during BLM, mm-hmm. to to try to gain con- countercultural street cred. That's why what you're seeing happen here. Anna, what do you think? As someone that remembers Taylor Swift when she was a country music princess, and now she is the queen of pop mm-hmm. in, in your era. So she's actually in, she's actually featured prominently in both of these events. By the way, what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, like, in regards to Taylor Swift, like, obviously I was a huge Taylor Swift fan and continue to be a very big Taylor Swift fan regardless of her politics. But that's besides the point. You guys can come after me for that later. But 
Um, no, it was kind of crazy to see how like her roots were all in country and like the people she looked up to, you know, and all of that. And then as she became more popular, but also as time went on, like then in one of her like more recent documentaries, it was like a pretty big prominent part of the documentary where she was like, I'm going, I have to take a stand in the political world because people are looking to me for that and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't know who's looking to you for that. Like nobody's looking for you to have any stance on that. Oh gosh. I wish you were right about that, though, Anna. I really wish you were right. So, yeah, no, I I agree with Todd, though. And I, I don't know. I almost think that, like, that shows that, like, the Country Music Hall of Fame, like you were talking about, almost feels like they have something to apologize for. That's for, uh, kind virtue, of the vibe Virtue that signaling I get. is yeah. what you think it is. Okay. Aaron? Yeah, I mean, I think this is just a tale as old as time. I mean, you either are the counterculture or the culture will counter you, and successfully so. At least, I mean, we had what? We had drag queens at the, what was it, the CMA? Yeah, yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. this is not a huge surprise to me. It's not a huge surprise. This is an American tradition, at least of uh, the regular American culture, is surrendering and virtue signaling. It's a tradition unlike anything Mm -hmm. else. All right, before I get to what stood out to me at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, a reminder about our friends at Constitution Wealth Management. They have helped align over $10 million of the wealth within our audience just in the first six months they've been on board with your values. Um, And there's more. And they want to help you no longer have your portfolio at at war and in conflict with your principles. Now you can be both prophetic while also making a profit as a profit. See what I did there. All right. So if you want to know how that can get done, um, especially when it comes to your retirement and your investments, um, because we are in a culture war of biblical proportions, and you can use your money as a weapon in your arsenal towards that end. Just go to constitutionwealth.com slash Steve, book an appointment today to get your retirement investments aligned with your belief systems, with your with your convictions. Let's build the parallel economy together right now. Constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. Again, you want to head to constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. The Pro Football Hall of Fame. So the NFL has made it very clear in the last five or six years uh, that, uh, you know, the social justice is part of its branding. It's painted in its end zones. Okay. So I went to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Guess what I saw? Absolutely none of. None of that. Nowhere to be found. Nowhere on the grounds. I mean, I, I wouldn't consider honoring people that went to historically black colleges and made it to the NFL, which means you're up against, you know, million to one odds. I don't, I mean, I don't have a problem. I don't consider that like some kind of social justice, you know, shove that down your throat. Right. That's, that was the, that's it. I mean, that is it. Okay. And I wouldn't even put that on the same radar as, you know, what, what Colin Kaepernick is talking about. None of that exists. It's nowhere to be found anywhere in the pro football hall of fame. Nowhere. Nowhere at all. In fact, its most modernized exhibit, you go into an NFL-style locker room, and you watch a three-dimensional VR presentation from Joe Namath. And they go through several people in NFL history, great Hall of Famers who then went on to accomplish great things you know, as, as people. Alan Page, the former great of the Vikings who was on the Minnesota Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Steve Largent who went on to be a Republican member of Congress, mm-hmm. is, is featured in here. The, the presentation openly talks about using your God-given gifts to their fullest potential. It, it, I mean, I, I, short of saying, you know, don't be a victim, 
I mean, it openly preaches. You're, take, do not let your circumstances define you. Take advantage of your opportunities. Use the gifts and talents you have to rise above your circumstances and reach your full God-given potential. I mean, guys, this is verbalized like directly in this presentation. And I'm just, it's completely at odds. It is completely at odds with the political messaging that this league puts on parade on a, you know, on, on, an annual, you know, on a daily basis over the last five years. Make sense of that for me now here in the last minute we have. Well, I could be wrong about this. I, I don't know who ultimately runs things over there, but you did mention a couple of days ago when you came back to that it was less updated than you thought technological-wise. I, I, I think there's a reason for that and it has to do with what you're saying here i think there's a people like this is meant to be a time cancel we'll Cat time have, capsule. capsule we'll have some updated technology but we're not here to be the most relevant we've ever been and get new audience we're about protecting a legacy of football damn it and that's what we're gonna do what do you think anna yeah, no, I agree. I also think it's way easier to like go on TV and say things than it actually is to like do things. Like I feel like a lot of people do things as like publicity stunts or say things or like yeah. I remember like you know as the youngest person on the show like when everybody would post on their Instagrams and stuff like the black squares and stuff for like BLM and everything like that. Yeah, it's just way easier to like talk the talk than it is to walk the walk. Hmm. Aaron, you get the last word. Yeah, I mean, there's only a limited amount of square footage, I would imagine. The conversation would be, like, who are we taking out of the Hall of Fame to put in social justice stuff? That's also a factor here, I think, too. All right, that'll do it for today's show. I'll be in Dallas tomorrow. You guys will be here. We'll be together, just virtually. Um, we're going to stick around and do overtime for subscribers. For the rest of you, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.